0: Well hello and welcome to this week's episode of About Abortion. Uh, today I am joined by Beth Davy. Beth, welcome.
1: Well thank you for having me.
0: It's great to have you on. Thank you for uh, joining me. This is actually your second podcast today, isn't it?
1: Yes it is.
0: Yeah, We woman. just
1: did a, a very brief one for the church earlier.
0: Okay, fantastic. And, and so you're a member of the church, I'm a member of, and in our church you wear a number of different hats, don't you? I do, yes. Yeah. Um, your grandmother, however, was a woman of many shoes. <laughs> yes,
1: she was. So I understand.
0: <laughs> Uh, and you think maybe 50 pairs?
1: Um, Yeah, more or less. I know my sister inherited 11 pairs after she died wow. and we threw out a lot more, so.
0: Okay. I I heard tell from your grandfather that she had a special tactic for giving the impression she wasn't buying so many new shoes. <laughs> she used to buy a pair, put them in a cup of six months and then only first wear them later that year so that when he said oh are those new she could truthfully say no they're not i've had them for a while
1: yeah i can believe that <laughs> yeah,
0: a cunning lady a wonderful lady now in glory yes uh, we miss her um grateful for her life but you're a woman of many hats and uh one of the hats you wear in our church is you um teach the children in sunday school for which my wife and i are very grateful uh, our two little girls keep your hands i'm sure more than full um <laughs> sunday school um another hat you wear is you come out as one of our educators in our public education team cbr uk Mm. norwich and um perhaps another time we'll we'll do an episode on uh, we'll get a couple of you guys in to talk about your experience of that work and how you're finding it but if you were to just sum it up for us in three words what would be your three words of your experience so far uh being one of the educators in our cbr uk team
1: oh wow i would say probably it's um challenging mm-hmm. really challenging um warfare mm-hmm. but also inspiring mm. um brilliant. yeah brilliant there's Ma- three words <laughs>
0: maybe that could be the title of our uh, of our episode on uh, hearing uh, from the front lines yeah um but that's not what we're talking about today today we're talking about the image of god mm. and uh, for those who've been following this podcast uh they will have heard us talk about a, a sort of general overview of the Bible. We had Tim Lewis on a, a few weeks ago yeah. uh, talking about um, really what the Bible has to say about abortion. Because, of course, theres you don't tend to get the word abortion in our English translations of the Bible. Uh, and so some people would go so far as to say, well, the Bible's got nothing to say about it. Of course, that mm. isn't true. For anyone who hasn't heard that, I just encourage you to go back and listen to that. Now, during that pod, we did um, touch on the image of God, but I think it really merits a whole episode because it's such a foundational concept, isn't it?
1: It is, yes. The image yeah. of God.
0: How important do you think it is to Christianity, but also to, to, to the issue with, we're talking about, abortion?
1: I, I mean, I think to um, humanity itself, being made in the image of God, as you said, it is foundational. And so... Uh, We use it in church, and it's kind of a fuzzy, woolly term. I don't think many people know actually what we mean when we say it, but we use it a lot.
2: Mm.
1: Um, Particularly for this issue, I think, being made in the image of God um, needs unpacking more, Mm. because a lot of Christians use it for this sense, saying we um, defend the unborn because they're made in the image of God. Okay, well, what does that mean? What does that mean?
0: And that's what I'd love us to dive into today uh, and and let's go for it. So to get us started what are the actual biblical references that that speak directly of the the image of God?
1: Mm, Well there's um, only actually three references to humanity being made in the image of God. Uh, The first one is in the very first chapter of Genesis, Genesis 1 verse 27. Mm -hmm. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. So I think the fact that it's in that first chapter, the very first chapter of the Bible shows how foundational it is. Um, then we skip forward to chapter five, where we see it again, chapter five, verse three. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness. Is that the right one?
0: Well, yes. And just before that in verse yeah. one, yeah, that mirrors verse one, doesn't it? It
1: does. Um yeah, when God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. Mm-hmm. And so you see that in the as as children go on, they're still in that ni- likeness. Yeah. Um, and finally, chapter 9, uh, verse 6. This is God speaking to Noah. Whoever sheds human blood by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind.
0: Brilliant. So those are the three direct references. Let's just... Spend a bit of time on each of those. Mm. So, firstly, Genesis chapter one, God's made um the animals, hasn't he? So he's made living things. Um and I'm not sure we can define exhaustively what the image of God is. You know, it's 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 a there's some mystery, I think, wrapped up, just in the in the way we can't understand God in all his entirety. There is mystery, but there are certain things I think we can say. So the fact that Only human beings are made in the image of God. Mm. What what does that tell us, do you think, about humanity as opposed to the animals and and the way God actually sort of speaks of human beings as opposed to animals?
1: I mean, I think it gives um, a foundation for the human rights of value and dignity that animals don't seem to have in the same way. So um, yes, all of creation is indeed important because God has made everything, But the fact that it's only humans who are made in his image, it seems to be that there's a unique um, relationship that they have between um, themselves and creator that the rest of creation doesn't seem to have. Um, But also then a unique task that they have being in the image of God that the rest of creation doesn't have.
0: Right, yeah, and that follows on straight away, doesn't it? So having said, let us make man in our own image... It then says God created man in his own image, Mm -hmm. male and female, crucially. Yeah. And I don't know how much time we're going to have to unpack that, but it's so key, isn't it? The male and female together were made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. Perhaps we can talk about that in a bit. Um, But then instantly, the next thing we hear is be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. So there's that kind of what people might call the creation mandate Mm -hmm. or or whatever. Um, That seems perhaps linked to
1: yeah there seems to be some sort of uh, functional mm-hmm. role yeah. that's included in this image of god that i mean for society today we think of images being very visual don't we um with instagram mm. and youtube videos and everything images seem to be visuals mm. um but it's not It doesn't really seem to be a visual image. It's not that humanity is made visually to look like God. Mm -hmm. Um, As you said, the uh, the instructions to be fruitful, increase, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over. It seems to be a functional image Mm. that's being portrayed here rather than a physical image.
0: So sort of representatives or his deputies or something like that.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Continuing the creative work, the subduing work. Okay, that's helpful. Mm. We'll definitely come back to the sort of functionality of this. Um, but then the other thing that happens very soon after this is of course god says it's very good as opposed to just good Mm. so you know when he made the sea uh, uh, the dry land the sky the stars whatever that was good the animals still just good the people very good so i think we can safely say human beings are the pinnacle yeah of um, god's creation okay so that's just a, a very quick look at the first reference the second one how significant is it that um, that we see this happening after the fall? So this is, yeah. well, perhaps better turn to chapter nine for that because that's the specific reference. But in chapter five, first of all, then this kind of this kind of echo we get. So verse one: God created man in His own likeness. Adam had a son in His own likeness, in His own image. What what light does that shed on what it might mean that we're made in God's image?
1: Yeah, I think. Um... It definitely means that there's something um, intrinsic to humanity, that it's not just for Adam and Eve, but it is something that is passed down. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, I think here it's then maybe goes beyond something that's functional because these children, they're, they're maybe not functioning in that, extending the rule and reign of God and mm-hmm. subduing the earth at that time, mm-hmm. and yet they're still in that image. So it mm-hmm. seems then... Um, to me, at this point, I think that it's it's something that's more intrinsic to what it means to be human than just a function that right. we perform.
0: Yeah, I think that's really helpful because, of course, this son he had his own likeness. Started life as you know a fertilized egg, as yeah. an an embryo, and yet it seems pretty clear from the from the get go, he was in Adam's image, and Adam was in God's image. Yeah. So the image of God is yeah can't be reduced to functionality. I think that's really key um and does it do you think it could also suggest that being made in God's image means that we reflect him maybe not visually but we reflect him in a way that a son reflects his father that there is a almost a familial um likeness
1: yeah i completely yes um and i think the the very physical nature of the family and seeing that passed on um, is a symbol of right. maybe what we've got between us and God. Right. Um, I, I think when you, you see that, don't you, between Jesus and the Father, mm-hmm. um, in in Christ the fullness of God mm. um, dwell and we see that he was the image of the invisible God. Mm. And so you can see that relationship yeah. um, between reflecting who the Father is mm-hmm. and that continues throughout. Right. Um, maybe you get the sense of um after the fall you can kind of lose that family mm-hmm. um likeness mm-hmm. um as the generations go on you can see you know you don't maybe have your grandfather's ears or mm-hmm. right. your grandmother's nose um you start you do to have lose her shoes, though. i do have her yeah. shoes <laughs> but you start to lose that sometimes yeah. and i think that that again represents what we see after the fall maybe that we, we start yeah. to lose some of that likeness but it is still there
0: right yeah so degeneration yeah um, no that's that's very helpful and again genesis 1 we see they're made in god's image and then straight away be fruitful and multiply is there something even in our, in our procreativity mm. which is itself part of being in the image of god because god gives life god yeah. creates and what an incredible privilege we have as human beings those who are called to parenting that we actually procreate mm. um is that part of the image of god do you think
1: oh i i think so fundamentally i mean god in himself is father and son and spirit right. and so fundamental to the being of god mm. is that um fatherhood and sonship right. and so to be father he has to eternally be father. Mm-hmm. He can't become father at some point, otherwise he wouldn't be yeah. eternally father. Mm. Same with son.
2: Right.
1: Um, he has to eternally be son. And so that family relationship within mm-hmm. the being of God um, is completely represented in um, being made in the image male and female yep. and that command to be fruitful and multiply. Mm-hmm. It's within the family unit, right. which is the bedrock of society, mm-hmm. um, that I think we see... The image of God at its fullness. Right. That it's not just the individual, yeah. but it's person in communion.
0: Right, so so the, the sort of family dynamic as well within the Godhead yeah. is intrinsic. Yes. Therefore, if we're made in his image, we should expect to see that. And and that is very striking, isn't it, in Genesis 1? You say male and female made in God's image together. Mm. It's inherently interpersonal, isn't it? That's it inherently, is. Inherently, it's a relational concept which does rub against the the modern concept of personhood doesn't it where it's i mean um i know we've talked a bit about anne ferrady's book the moral case for abortion Mm -hmm. but she's she's by no means an outlier no many people today would well what would you say how how do people today we won't go too much into this but you know how do people today see personhood What is that
1: i mean we see this on the streets all the time um that to be a person it's an individual with consciousness Mm -hmm. and the ability to reason yeah and so if you're not an individual with those um, abilities, you're not a person.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I don't think that's scripturally yeah. what we see at all. Yeah. Um, it seems to me that there's, there's something so much more intrinsic to who you are, that even if you don't have those abilities, right. um, you're, you're still in the image of God. You've still got personhood status. Yeah. Um, it's not based on mental capacity
0: right that's and i think that's so key for for our listeners and uh, and and all of us to get a hold of that the functionality be it how we relate to people our mental capacities whatever these the way i put it is these spring from the fact we're made the image of god Mm. but our dignity as being made the image of god cannot be reduced to
2: yes any one
0: function it's bigger than that it's deeper than that and i think that's so important for a very functional society which values almost in a utilitarian way you know if you can't do certain things or even if you can't enjoy certain things mm. you don't count and it seems to me and we'll look at some of these scriptures it seems to me the bible very directly speaks against that idea um fantastic or then just briefly the, the third reference there what differences make this is after the flood it's clearly after the fall mm. god reiterating
1: yeah i this. think i think it's um really important that he reiterates it in a new covenant Mm -hmm. after those times that we still have the image of God we can't claim that we've Mm. lost the image of God in mankind Um, he quite clearly divinely speaks the word that God has made man in his image Um, and then by extension anyone who um, dishonors his image um, through killing or shedding blood um, you have in effect, dishonoured God Himself. Right. Um, because this is a representation of who He is, an extension of His presence and rule in the world.
2: Yeah.
1: And so, I mean, in, in shedding blood or killing the image, you haven't killed God Himself, no. but you have disrespected Him, mm-hmm. dishonoured Him, and um, it's a personal affront to who He is yeah. that you have um, thought that you can. Yeah. go as far as to hurt his image.
0: Yes, yeah. I mean, I be, I believe in, in our country it's uh, an offence, isn't it, even to tear up a, an image of the Queen. Mm. It's taken as a personal affront.
1: Exactly. Well,
0: how much more if we actually kill one of God's, whatever we want to call it, deputies, ambassadors, it, it, he takes it personally. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also really interesting in Genesis 9 that the command to be fruitful and multiply and increase in number is reiterated as well. Yes. And I remember as quite a young boy being struck by this because it's easy to look around at the world and think so much has gone wrong. We've gone so far off the rails. Is it even a good thing to beget children, to, mm. to kind of bring about the next generation? I remember consciously reading this and thinking, wow, no, even after the flood, where every thought of everyone was only wicked all the time, God still reiterates yeah, in the image of God, go forth and be... So we Christians don't need to be birth strikers so um that 's a, a a force that 's rising in our generation isn 't it people? yeah, it's
1: very popular right now isn 't it
0: so okay let 's talk a bit about the image of God in the sort of cultural context. So where mm. do we see this idea this phrase in other ancient near Eastern literature, and how does that inform our understanding
1: well um in in the surrounding cultures uh, image of God was still used i mean. I think that's to be expected Mm -hmm. if everyone came from Adam and Eve Mm -hmm. and they understood that humanity is made in the image of God Mm -hmm. when they spread out and um, different religions would come up they would still have that fundamental understanding. Um, A lot of the times in the ancient Near East it was mainly the kings though Mm -hmm. who were made in the image of God and the idea was that the rest of humanity was made as servants to God. Um, So I think this contrasts with what we see Mm. in Scripture, that it's not only the elite Mm. who are made in the image of God, but all of humanity has that value and dignity, um, which other surrounding cultures, they didn't have that understanding. It it was just the rulers who were made in the image of God.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. It kind of mirrors what we see in our society and in cultures throughout history where personhood, if we want to use that term, or value dignity... Gets kind of narrowed, doesn't hmm. it? Just to just to some people, yes. you know, be it the highest caste in a caste system, or be it people of certain skin color, or kings, or people of certain social standings. Exactly, so the image of God gets narrowed. Yeah. Um, now, sadly, I think some Christian theologians have have adopted that same trend where they've said, okay, the image of God is primarily, or even purely, functional. And it's for, it's for ruling and reigning, mm. which can leave those who are unable to rule and reign somewhat in the gutters. Um, have you come across that? People saying, it's it, you know, the image of God is just a functional thing. And, and how can we combat that scripturally?
1: Yeah, I've, I've come across it particularly with the idea of um, perhaps uh, women who are infertile. Right. Um they, they are unable to live up to the cultural mandate, that mm-hmm. command to rule and reign. And mm-hmm. so somehow in them, the image of God is broken mm-hmm. or distorted because they can't
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, fulfill that mm-hmm. command. Um, I think, I mean, I think biblically, Psalm 8 mm-hmm. gives a great um, a great combat to this, if I can just find it. I mean, the psalmist writes, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honour. I think that in itself just shows it's not necessarily the the performative aspects. I mean, he goes on to say, you made them rulers over the Mm -hmm. works of your hands and put everything under their feet. But it's the human beings as human beings who are primarily... In the image of God, and it's amazing because it makes you, as He thinks, what is it about humanity Mm -hmm. that God thinks so highly of them? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's nothing about us, Mm -hmm. particularly, except that one um, intrinsic part of our nature that we are in His image.
0: Yeah, and it seems to me, although the the scriptures don't keep banging on about the image of God in so many words, Mm -hmm. Genesis, of course, is foundational, and that. Prohibition, you know, we you can't just kill people because they're made in God's image. It's one of the first commands really we see in scripture, and it's foundational to all the Mosaic law, and it's expanded and expounded, and you know, we see it playing into so many different things. But what's really yeah. interesting about the biblical ethic, if you if you like, is protection extends to you know, the children, the elderly, the foreigner. The disabled, whatever. Mm. Um, so it seems to me that is a, an application of this concept. Yeah. Clearly goes against the cultures of the day, uh, the other cultures of the day. And I think the most striking example, of course, of this is the way Jesus himself behaved. It seems that Jesus had a bias towards the social outcasts. Yes. He even said, Yeah, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such of these, bringing up a child. That probably people thought he was joking, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, But no, he he, he kept dignifying children, women, elderly, um, the sick, the outcast, the demon-possessed, the people who were not helpful in the same way, weren't deemed helpful to society. So it seems to me there's no biblical support of this idea that people lose the image of God if they're not exercising certain forms of dominion.
1: No, it seems to be, um, it is something that's intrinsic despite what you can do. Um, it is it is fundamentally part of who you are, not what you are. And I think mm. um, that's something that we might may maybe get wrong. A lot of the time we focus on what God is um, in terms of his his functional characteristics, that he is creator, he mm-hmm. is the king, he is mm-hmm. um, ruler. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't often focus on who God is. Right. And I think that gives us a distorted view of who we are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we focus on our function, yeah. what we are, what we do, rather than the intrinsic who-ness of, yeah. of what we are of that,
0: who we are that's really helpful probably my favorite um reference on this is uh, job 31 verse 15 where job is t- i mean this is really striking again we, we talked about this in the podcast with tim lewis but it's worth repeating job is talking about his servants here okay so in that culture you really didn't have to care too much about what your servants thought about how you treated them they're pretty much your pop- property if i've denied justice to my men servants and maid servants when they had a grievance against me What will I do when God confronts me? That's a pretty radical idea. Mm. God confronting you about how you treat servants. What will I answer when called to account? Did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one form us both within our mothers? Now that doesn't use the phrase image of God, but I think it's ever so clear that what puts them all on a level playing field here is one creator in his image. The social standing is really uh, not important uh, compared to that. Okay, this is this is helpful. So, it's more than just functional, mm. but there is a functional aspect. Um, let's think about the fact that if we're made in the image of God, what then do we make of these very frequent references throughout Scripture as to God seeing things, God hearing things, uh, God being moved with compassion, uh, his mighty hand intervening to bring salvation, or... Or, or whatever even um, these references to you know god's uh, even motherly mother-like love
2: mm.
0: uh, as a mother has compassion on her children how do we understand those are these just anthropomorphic you know biblical writers trying to help us to understand a picture of what god might be like and kind of is it is it that way around or how should we understand
1: yeah, yes. I, I think lots of people think that it is just human beings trying to understand mm-hmm. God in um, concepts that make sense to them. Yeah. Um, I think, though, there's there's something more going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, now, image is used throughout Scripture. It's not just used in these. Image of God is just used mm-hmm. in these three references. But we see time and time again images relating to um, idols mm. in surrounding. And so I think maybe some of their understanding is kind of helpful for, for mm-hmm. us as well um, so they they believed in surrounding cultures that idols were a representation and a physical extension of mm-hmm. the god um, and they would go through these um, idol washing ceremonies to open the eyes or the ears or the mm-hmm. mouth and we hear Jeremiah mocking Fem. them for these things that they think that they can use bits of stone or wood can actually hear or perform um, functions that we see god attributed to god in scripture but if in genesis 1 we are the image of god the what we see in surrounding cultures is the idol the the Mm -hmm. presence in a physical form um, and god has placed us as his image in his cosmic temple the world then it makes sense that as we are his his representation, what breaks our heart breaks his heart. Mm-hmm. What we see, he sees. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we do, he does. And mm-hmm. we see this continued through into the New Testament that we are um, the body yep. of Christ. And so um, what our hands do, it's, it's part of his body mm-hmm. doing those things. Where we go, it's part of his body going to mm-hmm. those places. Um, and so I think... There, there's a much more complex and nuanced mm. understanding of um, the relationship between the creator and his image yeah. um, that we can kind of see in this sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's helpful. It's, it's kind of about who, you know, which is which is primary, which comes first. Of course, God comes first. Yeah, it's not that He's in our image; we're in His image, and and therefore, yeah, I think we shouldn't be dismissive of when it talks about Him, for example hearing the cries of the poor and mm. acting okay maybe he doesn't physically hear in the way of course he doesn't physically hear in the way that we physically hear um and yet think of it this way why why has he given us our ears mm. why do we have eyes now part of that's to enjoy creation part of it's just to relate but i think part of it is to be able to respond yeah appropriately to god's world and in particular injustice actually because mm. so often we we see god seeing or hearing Acting it's in response to injustice, or or sin, or or, or people's cries for help. Mm. And I'd like to come back to that sort of towards the end because I think if we take seriously the fact we're made in the image of God, it actually affects how we're called to behave, not just yes. who we're called to care about. Perhaps we'll come back to that. Mm. Um, Colossians chapter three verse ten says that we're being renewed. Yeah. In knowledge in the image of our Creator. What's your understanding of that? What's that saying?
1: Uh, my understanding would be that, um, kind of like with Romans, we need to be renewing our mind. Um, mm. As we've gone turned away from our Creator, um, we lose some of that image. It's kind mm. of like a mirror mm. reflecting. If we're facing towards God, mm. we're reflecting and imaging Him. Mm. But as we turn away, we lose that reflection. Um, and so in being renewed in we need to turn mm. back and mm-hmm. understand, get rid of the false concepts and ideas that we've got about um, what it means to be human mm-hmm. and actually look to the one who created us yeah. for our grounds of being. Um, and I think we see this as well as we're called to become more Christ-like. Um, as as Jesus images God perfectly, we see what it means for ourselves mm-hmm. to image God. Right. Um, I mean, he is the true and better Adam, isn't he? Mm-hmm. So what Adam was called to do as the image of God, he mm-hmm. does mm-hmm. Uh, perfectly. Mm-hmm. And so as we strive um, through the power of the Holy Spirit to, to press on in sanctification, mm. to become more and more like him mm. um, in, as you said, um, meeting the, the down and outs, the people who have been trampled on by society, um, those outcasts, mm. um, I think that's partly as we start to step out in those ways. Yep reframe that image and yep. turn back to our creator
0: that's really helpful so we turn back we reflect more accurately and that's one aspect of our redemption story that mm. we're being renewed and we're being restored to that image bearing um role that we have somewhat lost not entirely even unbelievers are imaging god to some extent but um part of our redemption is to to recover that that's really helpful um Is there anything, before I kind of come on to my last couple of questions, is there anything I should have been asking that I haven't been asking?
1: I I don't know that you should have asked this, but I think there is something interesting in Genesis 3 Mm -hmm. um, that we haven't spoken about where Satan um, tempts Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. Um, Verses 4 and 5, he says to Eve, "'You will not certainly die,' the serpent said to the woman, "'for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God.'" Mm. knowing good and evil mm. so um, I just think it's interesting that there there seems to be something about um, the likeness of God is extending his um, ethics and his morality that good mm-hmm. and evil mm. um, they already had the likeness of God which we read in in yeah. chapter one mm-hmm. but Satan tempts them um, to disobey God by the idea that they will be like God mm. um, and there seems to be this thinking that um kind of philippians too they can try and grasp equality with yeah. god they're not just the image of god but they can become a god for themselves yeah. and define what's good and evil and i think mm-hmm. we see that everywhere today don't we yeah. um people trying to define good and evil for yeah. themselves um not extending god's morality and ethics and yeah. so in a way that they're rejecting the image yes. and setting up their own image mm. um and they're wanting to be like god but their own god yeah not like yeah. the god that created them right so
0: that's that's interesting isn't it? So, so it sounds quite similar linguistically mm. trying to be like god we're made like god but actually there's a big difference yeah between faithfully being his deputies and actually trying to usurp him yeah um i'm reminded of psalm 51 uh you thought I was altogether like you. And that's a that's a rebuke because these are people who... And we again, we hear this on the streets, not just on the streets in our work, but across the board, you hear people saying stuff like, well, you know, I think God should think this. If, you know, I, God should be pleased with me, I've lived a good life. Or, mm. you know, how can God do this? Or why isn't God doing that? And it's all very much who I think God ought to be. Yeah. Because um, I think he, you know, I'm making him in my image... Um, and of course, the, the, the my body, my choice mantra mm. is very much, I'm God. Yes. And I'm in charge of my body and even the body inside my body.
1: Yeah. But even in that way, they are in a sense rejecting the image in which they're created. Yes. Because they are not submitting themselves yeah. to what God's um, standard of good and yeah. evil is, but they are redefining it for themselves.
0: Someone said, I can't remember who it was, I think it may even have been an unbeliever, um, over the last couple of years so that when we try to become more than human we actually become less than human mm-hmm. i think it was in the context of trying to you know these these in far-reaching claims we're gonna kill the virus and you know we, we can dom- we we control nature you know but actually in those attempts to control nature we end up doing very dehumanizing yeah things um just on that the fact that we're not called to usurp God there are obviously aspects of God's character we're not called to well there are roles there are things that God does we're not called to mm. sort of join in on so we're not called to judge yeah. in the same way uh, we, we don't decide what's right and wrong are there particular and we've talked about some of this perhaps are there particular aspects of who God is and what God is what God, what God does that you think we're meant to sort of home in on in particular in imaging him,
1: I, I think, in particular, well, for our culture today, that relational mm-hmm. aspect which we've lost, and people are seeking it in identity mm. politics. Mm. Um, they're looking for these groups, mm-hmm. these communities, because mm. there is something intrinsic in right. them that is um, that they need other people. Yeah. Um, but I think what what we've done is we've lost the, um, you know, male and female. Yeah. Family aspect, and so I think what we should be honing in on in society really is rebuilding that family mm-hmm. unit mm. and encouraging people that children are good. Yeah, um, I mean, God says children are a blessing, mm. um, and yet we've got this warped idea that, um, of society that you know they hate children, mm. children are an inconvenience, mm. and that seems to again go against, yeah, who God is, as, yeah. Eternal father, eternal son.
0: Can I share a little anecdote on that?
1: You may, yes.
0: <laughs> Twice in recent history, I've looked somewhere to take my little girls camping in wider North Norfolk and then in a great deal of Kent. In both locations, I could only find one campsite in about a 20 mile radius that would even accept children,
2: mm.
0: which is quite interesting. And you, there are loads of sort of child free holiday places you can go on and I mean, it's, it's a small thing, but actually, there is this growing sense of children are a nuisance. Yeah. They get in the way of your career. They get in the way of your relationship. You know, your autonomy, whatever. And um, I think it was Kamala Harris who even said recently there are, there are there are women getting pregnant every day in the states, and it's a massive problem. You know, Ooh. as if pregnancy is a disease. <laughs> yeah, you know? a and pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pandemic and pregnancy. And and children are a curse. That's that's the sort of the sense you. I think increasingly we're getting. Yeah. Um but let's just let's just kind of as we come into land let's just talk about um, this particular thing that comes out I think from being made in the image of God of course it dignifies the unborn child mm. they're made in the image of God from the get go there's no such thing as a human being not made in the image of God no, no matter how developed right from the get go they're made in the image of God Psalm 139 talks about God's interest in the baby in the womb very powerfully but I want to f- I want to close by focusing just on what we're called then to do about this okay because you get plenty of people saying yeah i believe in sanctity of life i believe people are made in the image of god but it doesn't seem to really materialize Mm. in what they're willing and prepared to do so it seems to me how we treat people to some extent reveals how we treat god yes and in particular how we treat the vulnerable it's been said you know the measure of society is how it treats its most vulnerable and i think that's that's true that is the litmus test it shows where we're at spiritually to some degree of course there's more to be said um one passage that talks about this uh james chapter 3 verse 9 it talks about praising god but then cursing men who have been made in god's likeness it says out of the same mouth come praise and cursing my brothers this should not be mm. it suggests that actually you can't praise god with in, with one breath and then curse people who are made in his image yeah that's like you're cursing god
1: it's um, similar to what it says in one john isn't it you can't love god and hate your brother right um so i think and hate i think is um a a, an active thing you can do but it's also a passive thing you can do just leaving them to their to their fate or not ignoring them when they're crying out for help right um that can show hate as well can't it yeah because
0: this is, this is we're talking about biblical love here we're yeah. talking about agape self-sacrificial a decision an act we're yeah. not talking about fuzzy feelings <laughs> um but also when jesus talks about the the great commandment love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind strength he says the second is like it doesn't he yeah the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself mm-hmm. now what does he mean by like it
1: well i i suppose that it if you're not loving god if you're not in in that mm-hmm. place with god then Um, you're not going to be reaching out to Mm -hmm. your neighbor. But if you are in that relationship Mm -hmm. with God, where you love God and you want to serve him,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, the outpouring of that is going to be to everyone around you. I mean, he goes on to say, doesn't he, the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Mm -hmm. And throughout the the Torah, you see these commands to not harvest to the edge of the the field so that those aliens and, and foreigners around you they have something to eat and, yeah. and things like this. And so it seems that if you're loving God, you mm-hmm. will love yeah. your neighbor. Yeah. Um, it's the only logical progression. Right. Uh, but if you're not loving your neighbor, then maybe you're not loving God. Right,
0: <laughs> exactly. And it says in James chapter two, uh, it refers to love your neighbor as yourself as the royal law. And I think perhaps there's little more than a play on words, but it strikes me that the way we're told to treat children the elderly, the disabled, whatever, the foreigner—we're to treat them as if they're royalty, regardless of how powerful they are. Mm. And again, in—I mean, James, I think is really worth reading the, the whole way through, actually, for anyone listening, to get a, a grip on how we treat the vulnerable and what that means about our spirituality. As he say, if you don't love your neighbour, do you even love God? Yeah, it's a searching question. But in chapter five, it talks about. It says, "Listen, you rich people, weep and wail because misery of the misery that's coming on you." Uh, and it, it talks about, look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. And um, it's pretty serious. Now, these guys, just, they just fail to pay people. They're not, as, I mean, perhaps, perhaps, yeah, there is there is violence, there is bloodshed. But even failing to pay properly is seen as an affront against God Almighty.
2: Mm.
0: And so it seems that, you know, and, and Jesus says, what you did for the least of these, you did for exactly, me. yeah. There is this. But let's just cu- close with with thinking about what it means for us, for our listeners here, because we've all had that saying: "Look, if you don't like abortion, don't have one."
2: Mm.
0: And many Christians have been all too willing to comply with that mantra: "Look, you don't like abortion? Fine, don't have an abortion yourself, but don't try and stop someone else having an abortion." What's the What's the Christian response to that in the light of all we've been saying? The image of God.
1: I, I think. I mean I think Bonhoeffer says it best, silence in the face of evil is evil itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not to speak is to speak and I think God um, takes it very seriously. We see that in Genesis 9. It's very serious the shedding of um, the blood of one of his images and so if we're not willing to speak up Mm -hmm. I think like you see in the the society of Noah's flood, Mm -hmm. we'll be washed away with the flood. It's Mm -hmm. only the righteous Um, those who are seeking after God and then by extension uh, loving neighbour correctly mm-hmm. um, that will be able to stand.
0: Yeah. Yeah, someone said recently that law without consequence is just good advice.
2: Mm.
0: There's no consequence, it's just good advice. And in a similar way, belief in the sanctity of life or saying you're pro life or saying you, you, you believe we're made in the image of God that doesn't look like anything in a society where. Every day, 500 image bearers are being violently killed here in the UK. I don't think people in that situation really do believe we're mm. made in the image of God. And, and I, I want really to close this with a, a challenge to these people. And I myself have been there, you know, this is not me pointing the finger. I spent most of my life being passive on this issue. But if we say we take the Bible seriously, and it's ever so clear we're all made in the image of God. And yet we don't lift a finger, we don't say a word in defence of God's image bearers. Do we really believe yeah. we're made in the image of God and do we really love God? We might say we do, we might even think we do, but do we biblically? Someone wrote an article in Premier uh, recently saying, they opened with, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm pro-life, I believe in the sanctity of life, but went on to say that abortion laws should be supported. Mm. So that's my challenge to people and if you want to show you it's not so much an answer you give with your mouth it's something you show with your actions if you do believe in the image of god one of the ways you can do that um is to go to cbruk.org join you can join the movement and you can get involved and do what beth's doing out on the streets uh one of our educators engaging the public being a voice for voiceless that's one of the ways i just want to encourage people to do that we'll put the link below but beth do you have a final uh take home point you want to put out there um for people as we finish
1: yeah i, I it, for me it keeps coming back to that relationality of god and being made in his image we are relational we can't just be images of god by ourselves a man is not an island mm-hmm. um and i think for me the the foundational image of god of the unborn is that before they can do anything functionality wise before they can extend the rule and reign of god from the moment of conception they are in relationship mm-hmm they are a child and they have a mother, Mm. and that is fundamental to who they are. And I think that shows, um, aside from anything that they can do, that they are still in that image of God. And it's vital, like Jesus says, um, which one of these loved their neighbor, go and do likewise, Mm -hmm. that we have to stand up and do something because from the moment that the sperm meets the egg, they're in relationship with their mother and we need to protect that.